Just so you know, as you heard, I did have the privilege yesterday of officiating the, the wedding for Sarah and Ryan. And to be honest with you, I don't think I had so much fun. I don't know what they thought about it, but no. Sarah just laughs at everything I say, which really means she's my number one fan. Or she's just being polite, I don't know. Um, Gabe used to do that too, she doesn't do it now. But anyway, so Gabe grew up. <laughs> but we had, a, we had a great time, and uh, uh, I think just what, where they're at just brought a, just a great sense of peace and relax. And, and uh, so I felt that, and it was just great to be a part of. And it's so good to see. I think they will need marriage counselling after my marriage counselling. And we, we laugh, but no one really walks out of marriage counselling, pre-marriage counselling, without red-faced. So anyway, I hope they are going to do well. And I said to them last night, make sure you, uh, if anything happens, you need to talk to someone, call Gabe. I mean, no, call me. Um, we'll be right. This morning I want to talk about something that's been sitting in, and there's a sense of observation. Uh, I don't know, there's a little bit of echo here, it might be me, uh, but I just... I just want to share something that I feel like God's laid on my heart in regards to just, just the season I think we are in. And I think the season that I'm in as well. And so I pray that somehow you would hear God in this for your season and articulate it in the manner that you need to. We live in a time of unprecedented advancements in so many areas and levels. In technology, surveillance, and now, of course, global media. These can contribute to what is now being called or known as a culture of fear. And to be honest with you, it, it's, it's, I've never seen it so intense as it is now. However you want to view this, whatever your opinion on this, nonetheless, this is one of the realities. A great authority on the subject is Wikipedia. Um, and they actually have a titled subject heading called Culture of Fear, uh, highlighting our innate awareness of fear. It's used by a government, military, and a plethora of other groups and subgroups. See, fear is not new to us. It's not new to man. It's it at times as a reality, a perception, and an emotion. And it can create a sense of powerlessness. This is what fear does. And so I want to speak and unravel just a little bit for you topically fear. And I would encourage you to do your own study and research and just look at this and particularly marry it up with what you're reading and what you're feeling and, uh, and bring that before the Lord. In an article uh, that was presented by uh, a couple of guys who were professors and, and leaders in this, this area of of study, they say fear manipulates, manipulated perception of danger, not actual danger. It is normal that our imagination places us in frightening situations that become real threats in our minds. In other words, it's not real, but it's real to us. It's real to how we're perceiving it. It's a psychological warfare. Could be the title of the message psychological warfare. It's how armies 
send messages and, and move military forces to certain places as strongholds to send a message and say nothing. It creates a fear. But it happens up here as well. They go on to say that uh, modern man suffers no more of the amount of insecurity that is normal, is normal for human beings. Fear always rests upon something we perceive in our environment. So our world and our personal world. So let's have a look at this for just a moment as we, we have a look at what the scripture has to say about fear. And none of us in this room is exempt from fear. Different levels of it, intensity, yes, but none of us are. It is there, it always will be there. And so we need to process that a little bit more. We need to be careful not making decisions on fear. We've all been there, we get afraid, we, we start to outthink things, overthink things, we begin a place what I call mind chatter, and we start to go down a, a, a particular path of thinking that is forged on no sense of truth or reality. And I do it as well. And you can ask Gabe, well, I'm, I'm prone to that just like anybody else. But there has to be an antidote for this fear, this challenge that we at times are faced with. Our hearts can be easily turned by fear and the scripture would warn us to not turn our hearts away from the Lord but towards the Lord. So I'm going to just unravel this, as I said, just a little bit more. Well, there are essentially two types of fear. There's good fear and there's not good fear, bad fear. For instance, uh, walking up or your child walking up or a young person walking up to pick up a snake would that be a, would, I mean, sorry, to be afraid of picking up a snake, would that be a good fear or a bad fear? Good fear, thank you. Putting your hand in a rabbit trap just to test how strong it is <laughs> to be afraid of that. Is that a good fear or a bad fear? That's a good fear. Okay, but we could break this right down to simple reactions that we've experienced over life. For instance, somebody who's come out of a bad relationship for them, there could be great fear and intimidation in leading and in stepping into a new relationship. Maybe that relationship had certain memories associated with it that created certain factors of, of fear. So that's a, a good fear in a way, but a fear become, can become good and bad by the swing of the pendulum, by simply about how we're approaching it and, and what's actually turning on the inside of our hearts. Here's a couple of pictures you'll see in the slides. Uh, if you just have a look now, there's, there's that. Some people have fear of dogs. When we went to buy our dog up in Sydney, Zoe, uh, the dad dog came to the gate, and it was like this high, and had the biggest bark ever, and I'm like this. Don't put your hands out, Caelan. Do not put your hands out. Sort of a good fear, but obviously we teach our kids how to fear really well. Anyway, there's the snake. Some people like to hold snakes. I've got a fascination with snakes. I'm oh, not really, I just like to run from them. Um, how about heights? Who's afraid of heights? Just a little. I'm okay when I'm in a plane, but anyway. And who likes to tightrope? 
There was a guy called Charles Blondin. He was a French tightrope walker and acrobat in the 1800s. You should read this guy. This guy's amazing. Now, over Niagara Falls, he, he set up a rope. Well, it would have been a rope. It would been a wire. And you'd actually walk out there, and he actually would even stop at times and actually create a meal and cook a meal up there and prepare a meal on this tightrope, this wire, this single wire. And once he would egg on the, uh, the crowd and he would ask them, who believes I can push a wheelbarrow on this tightrope? Yes, they all crowd, great. Who believes it would be even more exciting if I had someone in the wheelbarrow? Yes, it would be awesome. Who would like to be in the wheelbarrow? Dead silence. <laughs> so we're, we're brave until it really, really means we have to step out. This is a true story, of course, you can see it there. I actually thought he would have died of probably tightrope walking, but no, it was diabetes that took him out in the end. But anyway, next. Charles Bondon. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has been not made perfect in love. We'll look at this a little bit later. But how powerful is that? There is no fear in love. Imagine that. This is speaking, I really believe, of God's love, that perfect love, that complete love, that lacks nothing and needs nothing else of its own source of strength and stability. In Joshua 1.9 it says, I have commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't tremble or be afraid. You're about to enter into the promised land. And that's a big deal. Moses had big, sorry, Joshua had big shoes to fill after Moses. Because the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Joshua needed to know, because God could see and read his heart, that he was afraid. It was a big deal. Can I do this? He read the mind chatter. He saw the thoughts. And God wanted to encourage Joshua. You can do this, Joshua. You have to be strong. You have to be courageous. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's in spite of it. It's doing what we need to do anyway. There are a lot of things that we can be afraid of. And in fact, I could have a list here that we could spend all morning just looking at. Uh, there's cyberphobia. It's a fear of computers. Anybody have that? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ralphie. I think that was Ralphie. Uh, here's a escleophobia, fear of church. Obviously, you're doing really well if you're here today. Doing really well. You're breaking that. Good on you. There's a lunophobia. It's fear of the moon. How would you be afraid of the moon? Uh, astrophobia, fear of lightning. Uh, uh, there's chromatoriophobia, which is fear of money. Oh, okay, it's going to be tough. Uh, Europhobia, which is fear of the colour red. Uh, there's homiliophobia, which is the fear of sermons. Again, you're doing well. You're breaking new ground. And we can just go on and on. <laughs> There's a, uh, it's a pallidophobia. It's the fear, fear of boldness. Uh, I'm okay. It's all good. We live surrounded by fear. An environment, a mentality, a culture of fear. And at times we're all challenged by that. So we need to do something in light of this fear. Because we hear things and we straight away go to that place of not faith but fear. And I thought as Christians we should go to faith first. 
So we, we have this innate sense where we hear something or we feel something and we go to the worst case scenario. Why is that? Why not faith arise in our hearts and lives and may we be encouraged by, by the scriptures? I heard of a story where a, an individual heard something in, uh, he read something in a medical journal and the symptoms matched how he was feeling and so he, comp- he, he talked himself into it of believing and feeling that this was what he had, which wasn't the case. So how to handle our fears. The title is Face Your Fears. Face our fear or face your fear. Number one, we have to, we have to find your fear. We have to find your fear. I know it sounds really bizarre. It's like, I have a fear, I don't want to do that. But sometimes the only way to, to accomplish or to even overcome fear is actually go near, near that. And we all have them. Whatever it is for you right now, I encourage you, find your fear, whatever it is. For some, it could be as children, I know that our children, we had to encourage them greatly to ride a bike. For the first time, it was, there was a fear about it because the reality is that they're going to fall off. And so we had to encourage them, that you can do this, you can conquer this, as one example. What would be your worst fear right now, if you were to think of something right now that could happen, what would that be? And the second question I'd ask you is, what is the likelihood of that fear becoming a reality? Here's another question for you. If you could, what would you say to that fear right now? That fear that's just humming away in the background. Nobody knows, but you think about it. It could be every minute or every hour or every once or twice a day or every week. Something reminds you of it. Something stimulates that, that thought. Maybe something that's not right, something that's not sure something that's not clear. Sometimes you can ask those closest to you, do you, do you notice that I, have I have a particular bent of fear in my life? Sometimes it may be even asking someone. Exodus 14, 13 to 14, it says, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord. Again, God speaking through Moses is, is reminding the people to stop being afraid, to stop it. Where does fear start? It started in the Garden of Eden. Where? God was walking in the garden. Hang on, something's a bit odd here. Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? God knew exactly where they were. They're hiding. And when the confession time comes, I was afraid. And ever since then, we've been hiding, hiding from God hiding from our fear, hiding from our mistakes, hiding from whatever it is that can propel and and drive us. But fear should never be the motivating emotion that determines who we become and how people experience us. It should never be. It says this, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Moses needed to remember that God is not the author of fear. Or better still, let's look at 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, has he? The love, power, and 
sound mind. Some translations say spirit of fear or timidity. As a youth leader, I worked with a lot of young people who had fear of man, fear of people, fear of opinions, fear of making mistakes, and even fear of success. Couldn't believe it. But this is what happens. Some people are afraid of success. They actually slowly ebb away and sabotage their own destiny, their own life, because of the fear of success. Now, you, you and I would think that's crazy. But maybe in little, little doses, we've even done that at times. But God does not give me a spirit of fear, a mindset, a temperament, an attitude, a disposition. Fear comes from sin, first and foremost. And the only kind of fear that God would encourage us or promote in our lives is the fear of him, a righteous fear, a holy fear. In Psalm 111, 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this is surely the principle behind the spies going out to the promised land. They had to scout it because they had to deal with their fear. They're grasshoppers there. They're big. We, 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 we compared us, we, we're like this compared to them. They're giants, we're grasshoppers. No, fear. It was a bad report, the Lord says. It's a negative and bad report that they brought back. Every good guy stumbles. History is filled with biographies of failures when we get up and get going. George Washington lost two-thirds of all the battles he fought during the American Revolution, but eventually won the war and became the first president of the United States. Face your fear. The polling graduate, 42nd in his class of 43 students, Second last, look at that, brilliant. He went out and conquered Europe. Failure doesn't have to be final. Billy Graham said then when he was asked to preach his very first sermon, he had four sermons prepared and he was so nervous, he preached all four of them in under 10 minutes. <laughs> Can you imagine Billy Graham doing that? Can you imagine that was his starting point, his beginning? Could you imagine him saying, I'm not cut out for this. I can't do it. The stress, the, the pressure, it's, wow, I, I just don't think I'm God's man or God's woman. Imagine if we, we say those things sometimes and God's saying like, don't insult me. You can do it. Give yourself permission to not be controlled by fear. If there's anything you learn from today is that you go out into the real world today, tomorrow, and the next day, and the week, and the month, and the year, and the year after that. And give yourself, and give yourself, learn to give yourself permission to not be controlled by fear. Fear in the Greek is phobio, and it means uh, to frighten, to be alarmed, to be in awe of, exceedingly fearful. 1 Peter 3.14 says, But even if you suffer for doing what God approves, you are blessed. Don't be afraid of those who want to harm you. Don't get upset. Do not fear what they fear. Wasn't this the battle of Israel? Wasn't this the battle of God's people, the Hebrew people, God's chosen people, constantly living amongst the Canaanites and the enemies, that this is what plagued them. They began to take on their fears. 
They began to take on their, their culture and their mindsets. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. The Apostle Peter is saying, literally, do not be intimidated by fear that is trying to take you out and destroy you. The phrase, fear not, or don't be afraid, is found 365 times in the Bible. Some say that's one for every day. Failure doesn't hurt people, but it's the potential that is paralyzing, and that can be fear. You remember the, the show they used to have, used to have Fear Factor? And these people would actually have to go in and face their fears. So you'd write down your fears and you'd see them laying in a pit with all these snakes being dropped on them. You know, or eating something that they... And there'd be some things I definitely... I don't know if it's fear or I just don't want to eat some things, you know. But anyway, these people do it to win $50,000. There was a show a number of years ago. Obviously, it's not happening now. Um, something must have gone wrong. I don't know. But we don't have a $50,000 in front of us as an incentive. The incentive for us is to be free. That's the incentive. So you have to find your fear. You have to be prepared to face your fears. And you've got to find out what they are. Number two, find God. Faith in God, love for God. In Jeremiah 29, 14 to 13, when you look for me, you will find me. When you wholeheartedly seek me, I will let you find me, declares the Lord. We read this before, that there is no fear in perfect love, but love drives out all fear. Sometimes a lot of our conditions and our unwellness is, is contributed to fear and the anxiety that that creates within our very hearts. The not knowing or not being in control, having to know everything. And, and to be honest with you, in lead up to, the, to this uh, wedding yesterday, I had a little bit of that, and Gabe will be honest with you. I like to know, not everything, but enough to know that I can do what I do well. And just in our, my business and, and Sarah and Ryan's business, it was hard to get the communication and, and find things out. And as the days were getting closer, I was getting like, <laughs> And you may go, well, Louie, you've got to control that. Because I feel as a minister that when it goes wrong at a wedding, it's on me. No matter how much I was to contribute or not, you feel a bit of a sort of adventure in the week, trying to just create uh, an environment of, of peace around my, my thinking of it. Now, I didn't worry about it. I didn't go into a place I, I shouldn't have, but I'd just like to know a little bit more information. And it's just interesting how it's things like this that just start to ebb and flow in our bodies and our lives and our minds. And we don't know what's going on. The more we love God, the less fear we will have. It is trust. I love how our children, and it's a great example, Caleb, for instance, he won't worry. He's not fearful that he's getting lunch today. He's not afraid thinking, will it happen or not? Or tonight? He's not. And for many of us, it's just a simple, basic thought pattern, he expects that there's going to be something mum and dad are going to provide. Somehow it's going, to, it's going to be okay. But you know, we had times where we didn't know if we we're going to have another meal. I don't know if you've ever been there, but we've been there. We've been there. 
and only God knew. And then miraculously, someone drives up in their van and drops off food. God knows. We could have been freaking out, and there was probably a little bit of that, but you know, let's be honest. But Lord, you're our Lord, you're our God, you're our maker, you're our provider. We don't go tell everybody. We just commit to the Lord and we trust him. And so whatever your season is right now, find God in that. In Romans 8, 28, it says that we know that all things work for good for those who love God and accord according to his purpose. Isn't this the Christian life? The Christian way? To find stuff that the Holy Spirit highlights in our lives and to take them and present them to God, isn't that what we're meant to do? We're not to hide the fear and sweep it under the carpet or anything else for that matter and say, yep, all is good. All is good. It may not really be good. It may be these things that you're thinking about and worrying about and stressing about. And mostly it'll be driven somewhere under the underlying thinking of fear. We haven't got time to do word studies and we could go right through Revelation, sorry, Genesis to Revelation and this. The love of God relieves our fears. I feared so much, but when I became a Christian and that love came into my heart, something changed. And it's hard to even describe it and you know what I'm talking about. It was something supernatural, something way bigger than me, something I've never experienced before through drugs and everything else that I was doing in my life. There was nothing that came close to this amazing, perfect love, this love of God. This love keeps us from being paralyzed by fear. And so we have to learn how to change our focus and stop those things that we fear. Now, there are times where there's an element of fear being, there's some truth to it. It could be a report that you've just received and it, and it doesn't read well. And I get that. But to be saturated, to be riddled with fear is not a good place. And it's definitely not the place God wants us to be. Here's a couple of thoughts just in that. When you feel afraid, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. We've all been there, and we all honestly know, in our heart of hearts, there are times we just, we think about this, and you can say, well, it's just worry. I just, I'm just a bit of a stress freak. I'm a bit of a control freak. But in the, in the line, when you, when you unpack this thing, and you pull the layers out, there's a fear. There's a fear that's driving this thing and trying to hold it together. Second thought is take refuge in God. Third, replace anxiety with thoughts of God. Four, keep an eye on eternity. Think big picture. Perspective is, is a great aid in our fears. And listen to God's word. Read it and listen and hear God speak to you. The late novelist John, John Gardner said this, one of the reasons why mature people stop growing and learning is that become less and less willing to risk failure. In other words, fear is, is dominating that we're just not even willing to try something. Someone said this, that failure is not the worst thing that can happen. 
It can be worse. It doesn't have to be final. There's another way to overcome the fear of failure. I like what 1 Peter 3, 15, 13 to 15 says, he, Who then will uh, harm you if you're devoted to what is good? But if you should suffer for righteousness, we read this a little bit, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated, but in your hearts, there's a little bit more here, in your hearts regard Christ as Lord, Lord of the fear, Lord of your life, Lord of your emotions, Lord of your intellect, Lord of your body, Lord of your soul, Lord of everything that that pertains to. As holy, ready at any time to give a defence to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that you have. When we draw near to God, what happens to your fear? What do you think happens to your fear? It starts to dissolve. It starts to lose its grip. I've seen so many people make so many bad decisions in my 30 years of ministry, including myself, because there was a fear element attached to it, more than necessary. When you're talking in pre-marriage, just because we're here, um, I often like to always talk about the trust factor marriage and I say you know what you can destroy this in a second and it it could maybe take a whole lifetime to rebuild I said don't be afraid you're like that I said so there's things that we need to do so we talk about all these scenarios because if you give the impression of something it may not be real but if it's real to the person in their perception and thinking of it it is as reality even if it's not true. And this happens. Many times working with people coming up and they start to talk about their loved one or their wife or their partner and it's like, okay, there's something deeper here, something much, much deeper. Issues of trust, issues of of feeling safe and love. Fear is always present. Number three, find refuge. We shared this just before in the point. Take refuge in him. And find good, strong people, Christians and people who believe in you and your life. Find them that they won't agree with you even, but they will encourage you in your walk. They will challenge you in your place, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like. God will provide people like that. Remember King David? King David had a lot to be fearful. In fact, he ends up spending much of his life on the run. Not much of it, but a quarter of it, on the run. Served the king, but things started to shift. People started to talk about how great David was. And you know what God did? God provided someone in that place of fear. David had to go hide in a cave. He had to live in a cave. Imagine if you have to, and I know this is a reality for some, where they've had to move places because of fear of abuse and relationship, and I've seen it. It's horrible, it's tragic. And David had to hide in a cave. He had all the promises of God, everything was laid up, and he must be thinking, there's something wrong with this. I'm in a cave. Then the men, what we call David's mighty men, then came and joined him. God brought people, but there was one person that God provided to help him in this need. 
and it was Jonathan. The son's enemy came and befriended him and loved him like a brother. And this journey that we unravel in there, God provided refuge and a friend. Wow, who would have thought that? If you told me who would it be for David, I didn't think it would, I wouldn't have thought it would be someone connected to the family of, da- of King Saul. Psalm 91 says, whoever lives under the shadow of the Most High will remain in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Do we, can we say that today? Psalm 27, 3, even though an army sets up camp against me, my heart will not be afraid. Even though a war breaks out against me, I will still have confidence in my God. I wonder how many of us can say that when the heat is on and the pressure is on. If things aren't lining up and we feel like God's promises are so far from us, it's unfair. I like what Corey Tim Boone says, in my times of fear, I don't wrestle, I nestle. Drawing so close to the Lord and master of your life, you feel his continual shelter and protection. You know what I do when the the heat's on? I go to the Lord. That becomes my priority. When there's things in my life aren't lining up with scripture and the promises of God's word, I stop everything and I go into prayer. And then at times, Gabe and I, we stop everything and we pray. We just pray together. For those who, who don't have a partner, that a love, love member or someone around, please find a prayer partner. Text them, pray for me. I need your prayer right now. For many years, I've been a sponsor for many of those who have been dr- struggling with addiction and drugs. And they would call me, I'd be their sponsor. You can put different names on it. And they would call me and text me and they'd say, and some of it was actually one individual, I won't go too much into it because they're connected to some high profile people uh, in Australia. But very interesting, this particular son, a grown up adult son, uh, was, was being hounded by demons. Huh, that was a new one for me. Hounded by demons. Physically attacking him. It's crazy. It's crazy. And so you can just imagine when it was happening, the fear that was being fed on in that moment. Because fear just kept growing and growing in that time. And we had to deal with this fear factor. And we had to pray. And every time he sent the text or I rang, I said, mate, okay, we're going to pray right now. We're going to call in the promises of God's word. Your the word of God is now going to take precedent and authority over this matter. Do you believe that? Yes. <laughs> what other options has he got? So he agreed. And we saw a shift and a growth and a change in him. That's just one. Find, number three, find your focus. Meditate on, on the scriptures as we're saying. I love what we we read here. Oswald Chambers says this, it is the most natural thing in the world to be scared. 
And the clearest evidence that God's grace is at work in our hearts is when we do not get into panics. The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything. That's a citation from Wisdom in the Time of War, Christianity Today. Philippians 4, 6 and 8 says, Do not be anxious about everything or anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will what? It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, why would you add that in the context of, of prayer and praying and anxiety? Is because you've got to shift what you're looking at. You've got to change your focus. It feels like, ah, change it. Because if you don't change it, it doesn't change. Think about that. That's really deep. <laughs> we bring our focus back to God. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I'm going to wrap it up in a few minutes. Zig Ziglar says, fear is fear, false evidence appearing real. I think he's not far from it. You remember Job? Anybody remember Job? A whole book dedicated to him. It's a book about misery and disaster and loss and, and God gives it all back at the end. You know what's interesting? In chapter three, there's a little insight into Job. He says this, the thing that I feared has come upon me. The thing that I feared has come upon me. Would you like that right now? That fear, that challenge, that obstacle? Is there something that you fear right now? Would you like that to come upon you? I don't think so. That's what we do when we entertain it, when we allow fear to have its rule and its way in our lives in such a way that God never intended. Someone asked C.S. Lewis, why do the righteous suffer? He replied, why not? They're the only ones who should be able to handle it. I'll take it. Thomas Edison said it like this, many of our failures are people Failures in life, sorry, many of life's failures are people who did not realise how close they were to success but then gave up. Cradles of Eminence is a book which produced a revealing study involving 413 famous and exceptionally, exceptionally gifted people who helped change the world. It's quite a, an old book, I think in the 60s or so. The author spent years attempting to understand what produced such greatness, to find a common thread that ran through all of these outstanding lives. And surprisingly, the most outstanding fact was this, virtually in all of them, they had to overcome personal fear associated with great suffering or failure in order to become who they were. Face our fears. I close. 
find your fear, name it and shame it. Then you have a conversation with it. But if you know what it is, give it to the Lord. That's in finding God, finding refuge, and finding a focus. The polling hills I close said this, the fear of criticism robs a man of his initiative, destroys his power of imagination, limits his individuality, takes away his self-reliance, and does him damage in a hundred other ways. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, it's a sobering message this morning that you know what's in our lives, you know what's going on in our hearts, relationally, socially. And I ask today, Lord, that none of us would leave this place feeling that we have to be under the tyrant of fear, dominated, controlled, limited, paralysed. We don't have to. There's things that we can do to help alleviate that pressure that fear gives and brings. I don't know who you are and I don't know who this prayer is for, but I want to pray specifically now. Father, I pray that for each one of us, Lord, and for those who need to surrender our hearts to you and to say, Lord, this is not the way, but your way truly is that we surrender fully and completely over to you, that we hide and hold nothing back, that our lives will be open books before you and before others. And I ask you, Lord, right now, whatever that fear, it could be just a few days old, it could be a hundred years old, whatever it is, that, Lord, we recognise it for what it is. It's not part of your will or intention or plan for our lives. And I pray, Father, that from this day on, we will realise that we have everything that we need to overcome this fear. Because you are love, you personified love, and perfect love casts out all fear. So remind us today, Lord, to draw near rather than pull away. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.